This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's time for a one-of-a-kind poker party. Poker Night in America is streaming live from Studio 52 in Las Vegas. Join us nightly at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as some of the biggest names in poker play in the ultimate house game. Watch on the Poker Night in America channel on YouTube and Twitch or go to PokerNight.com. Poker Night in America is back and ready to party. Hello and welcome to Betting Weekly Extra Time World Cup Edition on the Bet Rivers Network with me, Rob Daly, Cooper Cox, and Daniela Fisichella with me to preview the quarterfinals of the competition. Cooper, hello. How are we doing? Very good, mate. And Daniela, good to see you. How's things? Hi, Rob. All good. Very interesting World Cup. So, well, that's the the best the best has yet to come, we'll say. Well, we got four brilliant matches to look ahead to, and we are going to touch upon all all four of them so far. Cooper, to you first of all, though, mate. I mean, we've we've had seven of the eight favourites, I think, from the respective round of sixteen ties go through. It feels like a really strong quarterfinal lineup with Morocco throwing up the one major shock, you know, against against Spain. Where are you leaning now? Where are you feeling about who are the the front runners, or does it feel like quite an open field to you? Yeah, I, I do think it feels fairly open. I mean, I think most people going into the World Cup were pretty set on Brazil and Argentina versus the field. Uh, obviously, those two teams are still remaining, so they could still win it. But um, it has a little bit of an open field to me. I mean, it, we've seen Morocco, like you said, uh, cause some some shakeup with, with some big upsets uh, recently. And they've looked really solid. I, I think that that's been a really fun team to watch because – it almost feels like Qatar has now adopted them as their home team in a way, I guess you could say. But they're playing really well in Qatar, very organized, um, and they're getting it done. But, yeah, I think uh, I, I would say it's it's still fairly open. Well, I think with five European sides out of out of eight in the quarterfinals, it looks like there's going to be at least a European finalist once again. But obviously, the South American semi-final Brazil-Argentina is what most of the people expect. Um, look, I think now probably we're going to see a slightly different tournament from now on. We've seen low-scoring games in the group stages. The average was under uh, 2.5 goals, like so well below the average of the other World Cups. In the round of 16, it definitely picks up. There have been high-scoring games. But now it's another test. You know, big, uh, better teams, uh, better defences, better goalkeepers. I still believe that uh, defences win you tournaments, attacks only win you matches. So let's see. Now it's, gonna, now it's a real test for all these teams. Well, of course, and Daniela will hate me bringing this up. Of course, Italy not in the tournament. United States. I haven't, rea- I haven't realized. Are we, are we not? Look, right. hey, hey, hey. I, this is just oh, to sorry. promote the integrity of our panel because okay, Italy are not fine. in it. Yes. The United States are not in it anymore. <laughs> no. So we just got two guys ready to just give pure facts, how they feel. But before we get into the games, have you adopted a team, Daniela? Is there a team you want or a player you really want to win it for the first time or something like that? Look, 
I think the Netherlands have been historically unlucky in World Cups. 1974, they played the host Germany, they lose. 1978, they played the host Argentina in the final, they lose. 2014, semi-final against Argentina, better team, they lost on penalties. I got a soft spot for uh, for the Netherlands, and there are a couple of players that play in the Italian league as well that I fancy. So yeah, I I, I like the Netherlands for this one. Yeah, I've I've always um, found myself rooting for the Croatians for whatever reason. I guess kind of a smaller nation, and and you know they're they're just so sound fundamentally, and and they just find a way to to advance. Uh, Last World Cup, they were not big favorites to to go as far as they did, and, and they made it happen. Obviously, they kind of have an aging roster at this point, so this is kind of their last hurrah until the next group of Croatians come in, and we'll see what happens then. But um, I've always been kind of, you know, uh, they've always been a team that I've found myself rooting for in this tournament for whatever reason. No one's going for England, Rob. I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Don't worry about it. Hey, look, this is the integrity <laughs> of the panel. Sorry. I, I know, just, I know. It's the integrity, sorry. integrity of the panel. And Croatia have got one of the coolest kits, haven't they? Actually, so have the Dutch. The Dutch and Croatia have got two of the coolest kits at yes. this World Cup. Look, it's a nice segue, Cooper, because we're going to start with uh, Croatia versus Brazil. Now, um, our boss Nigel Seeley is not with us, but he has sent in his. His picks, and he's got a couple of them. One of them's on this game, and we'll get to that in a moment. But, um, Cooper, do you want to go first here? All three of our experts for this week's show have a pick for Croatia against the tournament favorites, Brazil. So what you got? Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll start us off. Um, I do have a best bet on this match, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Um, I'm going to be taking Croatia and Brazil for the second half to be the highest scoring half, and that's priced at plus 105. Um this total, I believe, opened around two and a half, slightly favored to the over, and that has since been steamed a bit, which is, you know, that that's not unexpected given uh, the scoring displays that we've seen from this Brazilian side so far. That's that's really no surprise that, you know, the public and, and, and even maybe some big dollars have come in on the over. Um, I do believe that Croatia has what it takes to keep this game in hand, I mean, not out of control for at least a half of football here. So um, I think Croatia, they've obviously got the championship ped- pedigree, the World Cup pedigree. We, we just touched on that a little bit. Um, and they've been really organized so far this tournament. And, and that's what you would expect from this team. I, I think that as the stakes begin to raise, uh, even Brazil is, I mean, they are a machine. Don't get me wrong, but you can't just expect them to drop five goals on everybody that they play in the first half. So um, I think Croatia here, based on what I've seen, comes in, makes it a physical match, and keeps it, I would say, even if there's one goal in the first half here, there's a good chance that we see two in the second half. 0-0 first half would just be beautiful, so that's obviously what I'm hoping for. Uh, but I think that Croatia, that's going to be their game plan tactically, and I think that Brazil even is going to be a little more cautious going forward early in the game, maybe mm. a 30-minute feeling out period. Uh, as, as we say sometimes. And uh, yeah, I think it sets up really nicely for a big second half. Physical is the key word for me as well, because my pick here is over 3.5 
3.5 cards overall, so nice. more than three uh, cards, plus 102, obviously, of any color, of any team. And I think uh, Croatia um, will see the blueprint in what Serbia and Switzerland have done against Brazil, try to shut down the middle, expose, obviously, the right flanks. Brazil have got, obviously, great wingers, but try not to allow two or three Brazilians to combine in central areas, which what the South Korean have done, uh, defending pretty much with a back two against the Brazilian forward wasn't a great idea from uh, Paolo Bento, but the European side normally more organized, uh, better put in the inside. And, you know, Croatia is one of those teams that you know what you're going to get from them. And uh, you think they're going to be more physical. They're going to be more on Brazil's face. Brazil-Serbia, by the way, three yellow cards for the Serbians. Brazil-Switzerland, two yellow cards for the Swiss. So if you go over 3.5 yellow cards, cards here, you are in a chance to win. Also, because we need to remember that after the quarterfinals, the yellow cards get wiped out. So there are a lot of players that can spend a yellow card in this game. And what is the best way to spend a yellow card than stopping Vinicius running at goal? By the way, Lovren, <laughs> Modric, Barisic, Kovacic, Fred, Guimaraes, Militao, if they get a yellow card, they will miss the potential semifinal. So it's only seven players out of a plethora of over 20 potential outfield players. A couple of words on Croatia. They are the old foxes. They got. They are the master of masters of the tight margins. They won six out of eight World Cup knockout games since 1998, losing only to France in the semi-final of 1998 and the final in 2014. Since 2008, there is a little bit of a pattern for Croatia knockout games in major tournaments. Seven out of eight went into extra time. They always won on penalties. Now, for Brazil, the best preparation to go in a game against a very solid, compact, sometimes even boring and rigid uh, Croatia side is not beating South Korea 4-1. They need to forget about that game because this is going to be much more difficult. Of course, Brazil uh, will have all the possession, will have all the ball, but careful because also Croatia with the midfield three until Modric legs are able to uh, run, and they did it very well against the um, the Japanese. They are overly very dangerous. Anyway, I go for cards over 3.5 cards plus 102. Yeah, cards is certainly of interest to you, clearly, in this round, and we'll get to another pick related to that, uh, Daniela. Brazil have not actually won knockout stage game against a European side since they won it in 2002. That's five defeats right. for Brazil against European nations as they look to reach their ninth uh, semi-final. Pooper, this one just to you then. And, and Nigel, by the way, is is, is uh, heavily backing Brazil here on the Asian handicap, minus 1.25. And yes. the price uh, for that is minus 112. So he's obviously in on Brazil. Are you, are you were you not concerned? Obviously, it's going to be a different proposition and much has been made of the man-to-man marking that um, the Korean Republic went with against Brazil, but that they just, it's been in that first half. I mean, they had one of the best first halves of the tournament the other night in the round of 16, it doesn't worry you that they could come out and try and blow Croatia away quickly in this one as well and, and scuppy your bet. Yeah, of course I'm worried. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> it's, it's Brazil. And, uh, you know, you, you, we do our best to try to find an angle that, that, that gives our listeners an edge. And, uh, in this case, I think that that's the best route that I could find. Um, but I, you know, like, like Daniela said, Croatia is going to be physical here and, and it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for this Brazil team, mm. uh, at least to start the game. And, um, you know, I, I, I look back, uh, there was also a great point brought up here about Switzerland and their blueprint 
Uh, Switzerland obviously has a really talented back line. I wouldn't say that this Croatian defense is quite as talented, but they're equally as organized. And, uh, you know, this is this is quarterfinal match here. They're, they're going to bring the fight to the Brazilians here. Um, of course, if there's an early goal, any game can just go nuts and get, get broken open. But that's just part of trying to find a, a good position here. And uh, I'm not going to worry about it. I, I, I think we're in a good spot. Okay, if like you're it. looking, sorry, if you're looking at the individual market, talking about Croatia deficiencies, you might want to look at Vinicius to score an assist. He's around uh, minus 106 before I looked. Why Vinicius? Because he's going to play on the right hand side of the Croatian defense, which I think is the weak spot between yeah. Juranovic and Lovren. And by the way, I don't think Lovren has been found out yet in this World Cup, but he might get found out. That's where Vinicius plays. Yeah. Okay, I like it, boys. Okay, let's go to the other game then. And of course, the, the winner of Croatia, uh, Brazil, will face the winner of uh, Netherlands, Argentina. Now, no pick from any of our panellists uh, for this one. Of course, Leo Messi starring the other night for uh, for Argentina. Julian Alvarez hoping to start again, of course, after two goals in two starts. A lead in the line for Argentina and the Dutch. Um, seeing off the United States in, their, in the knockout game. For Argentina, Papu Gomez is a doubt. He came off in the game uh, with a sprained ankle. But Di Maria is coming back from injury and could well replace him. Um, Cooper, what 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 have you seen around this game? You obviously haven't got a pick here, but um, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, uh, Daniela mentioned how unfortunate the Netherlands have been in years past. I actually want to talk about how fortunate they've been in this year's tournament. Um, <laughs> I, I am an expected goals guy. I don't just handicap completely based on expected goals, but I definitely, you know, consider it. I mean, we should consider all the information that we have. Um, Senegal outperformed the Netherlands on expected goals. Ecuador blew them out of the water on expected goals, 1.78 to 0.1. And even against the United States, it was 1.6 to 1.49 in favor of of, of the Netherlands. Um, I don't want to completely discredit the Netherlands, because obviously they're taking their chances and they're putting them in the back of the net, which that's the other side of handicapping. That's arguably more important as quality. Um, and, and, you know, you can look at expected goal numbers all day, but if they're sending them 20 yards over the bar, um, it doesn't really do you any favors. So, um, but I do think that they've been a little bit fortunate and I'm really not high at all on the Dutch defensive unit to be, to be quite honest. Um, I think that the goalie, might be the best part of their defensive unit from, from what I've seen. He's not a, a big European league player. He, he, he plays in the Netherlands. Um, he's ne- never, never been out of that league, but I've actually been fairly impressed with him. I, I think he's made a really good showing of himself, but the back three that they run is kind of funky. And those guys are not, to me, they're not elite athletes. Um, and, and, and they're good sound players. They're a little tall as a lot of Dutch people are. That's kind of a, a taller, taller nation, but, um, I think that they could be in trouble here against Argentina. Um, I think that Argentina, to me, this looks like one or two zero Argentina. Um, I think that at first glance, it's tempting to take the over here, but I think that the odds are actually quite telling in in, in this game. They're telling us what kind of game that we can expect. Uh, And the fact that this is the lowest total on the board of these quarterfinal matches is pretty telling. I I think it's going to be, a uh, fairly conservative match. And I wouldn't have any interest in going over the total here. I would only have interest in potentially backing Argentina uh, on the money line or the Asian handicap minus 0.25. Argentina has improved. I think they 
got themselves out of the danger zone. Probably they play with slightly less pressure now, although obviously they are one of the favorites. But I'm still not convinced they are clicking and they're doing everything right at the moment, especially in midfield. Of course, they are deprived by the absence of Lo Celso, who was the person who was making everyone tick. Now with McAllister alongside the Paul, I think the Paul has got more freedom uh, carrying the ball forward and giving it uh, to Messi. But there are a lot of areas, especially in the attacking phases, that they don't quite convince me. Sometimes the circulation of the ball is not fast enough. Let's see how they set up against a Netherlands side that likes to have the possession as well. They can control it well. And on the other hand, the Netherlands are much more physical than the Dutch. So I'm interested to see whether Scaloni is going to go to a back three here with Lisandro Martinez just to mirror the, the Dutch. And in that case, it's going to be a cagey affair. I think it's going to definitely be an under 2.5 goals. And also how the Argentine copes with the Netherlands on that ball uh, situations. The Netherlands, we know they are very aggressive. Look, I haven't got a pick here. I feel it's going to be an under, but the, I scouted one in, in, the, in the millions of outs that are available on Bet Rivers. <laughs> and I looked for one, Virgil van Dijk, to score plus 1,600. Why wow. Virgil van Dijk and no Cody Gapko? A dead ball situation, a corner, a free kick. Who's going to mark Virgil van Dijk? Only El Cuti Romero, for me, is the yeah. only one who can mark him. Every other Argentine, it's smaller than van Dijk. Van Dijk, 24 goals for Liverpool and Southampton, six goals for the Netherlands. You know, very great header of the ball. It's a wild one, I'm saying, plus 1,600. Van Dijk to be on the score sheet. A bit of fun, like maybe, that. that one. Yeah, that's a, yeah. a bit of fun there with, uh, <laughs> with Van Dijk. And uh, who I would defend, Cooper, in your slander of the Dutch back three. But <laughs> uh, we must move on to the next game, which is Morocco versus uh, Portugal. So this game's on Saturday. Uh, Portugal, of course, overwhelming favourites. And much discussion continues around the uh, dropping of Cristiano Ronaldo and his subsequent reaction at the end of the win um, last night as we record it. So Portugal against Morocco. Daniele, you get us up and running here because you have the pick. Portugal win doesn't pay amazingly well. Combined with a slightly slow-scoring game, under three five goals. So you put it in a mini parlay. Portugal win under three point five goals plus hundred and fifteen. Morocco, the greatest surprise of the tournament, of course. Uh, credit to them. Will they be the first half? African nation to reach to the semi-final of the World Cup? For me, no, because they're going to face a Portugal side that, compared to Spain, they're not just very good at keeping the ball, but they're also very direct. And actually, whoever watched the game last night between um, uh, Portugal and, uh, uh, of course, Switzerland, learned that the ball needs to move forward at some point. And that's what Portugal did. I've never seen Joao Felix playing so well, but also credit to Fernando Santos, not only to taking Ronaldo out and Gonzalo Ramos only score three goals, but also for playing without Neves. And Otavio had a great game. They were really, really dynamic. So I think Portugal will have more answers to Morocco low block. It's not a secret that Morocco doesn't like to, but doesn't want the ball, doesn't need the ball. 
yeah. the manager said it even in press conferences. And actually, it is one of the most aggressive uh, side. We got uh, Makim and Marzui. I think they're the two with most tackles in the World Cup. So they're physical, they're aggressive. But Portugal, I think, could find a breakthrough. Also, consider that Morocco so far um, only considered one goal in the last uh, seven games, also outside the World Cup. But in the World Cup, they played against rigid, laboured opposition. Croatia, not the most creative team in the World Cup. Belgium, we saw them in crisis without, without a striker. Spain, we saw it last night, over 1,000 passes, a couple of shots on goal, no more. Portugal, I think, is different. You know, Ronaldo, you know, nice, nice to have him coming, even, even if he comes <laughs> on the bench in the last 20 minutes. I will never say no, but I think Portugal for this one, they look to me also a team that doesn't go any gaps. You know, even if you replace the starters, they still have a very deep squad, I think, as deep as Brazil. For me, Portugal win to go into the semifinals under 3.5 goals plus, plus under 15. Yeah, I, I feel mostly the same way about this one. That's that's a good take there. Um, I looked at this one, and going into that Spain-Morocco match, I really felt that was going to be a difficult match for Spain uh, because we've seen them you know, be kings of possession for so long and, and just not create enough big opportunities. And when they, when they do, when they have created, they just haven't put them away. Um, I think this Portugal team is wired quite a bit differently than Spain. They do enjoy possession, um, but the biggest difference is Bruno Fernandez because he pulls the strings and he can get into a low block like that and just pick his spots. So, um, in fact, he's created five big chances this tournament, which is the most uh, out of everybody in the world cup. He's tied with Griezmann for France, uh, for most big chances created. And that's reflected in the amount of goals that they've scored. Um, they've looked really good, uh, in regards to Ronaldo, um, I don't think it's that big of a deal whether he's in or out. I, th I think if he's in, he's he's going to play. I think if he's out, uh, like you said, these guys have depth and they proved that last match. So, um, and then one more thing that I looked at here is Portugal have had 62%, 60%, and 53% possession against Ghana, Uruguay, and the Swiss. Um, they've created... 2.05 expected goals, 1.33 and 2.28 expected goals in those matches. And they've scored plenty of goals in those matches. So they haven't had any problem beating the blueprint so far. Obviously, I expect the intensity to be a notch above for this game. Morocco is going to be ready to go. It's going to be a little bit tougher just because of the stakes at play. And Morocco knows how that they've advanced so far. Um, I also like Portugal here. I actually kind of feel like this game might get off the rails. Um, I think that we might have a chance for an over in this spot. Uh, it's the only spot on the board that I really have any interest in backing the over just because um, if Portugal does score in the first half, that throws everything that Morocco wants to do out the window. Like your World Cup is over unless you go equalize. And a team that sits in the low block like that, having to chase a game, we've seen historically a lot of goals come. So uh, I think it might be a sneaky spot for an over here. Okay, I like that. And a great point on Bruno Fernandes as well against this uh, resolute defensive uh, Morocco side. Quickly on Ronaldo, expect him to start. I don't personally. I think that's 
No, I think I, I think it's I think although he tried to force himself with with the starters, I think even today in the training he refused to go in the gym with the reserves and he wanted to train with the first wow. team. Is gonna is gonna be on the bench because yeah. you can't take. I mean, I mean, Joao Felix is playing very well with Ronaldo next to him as well. So. Yeah, wow! Well, yep. uh, it just keeps developing. He finds new ways to <laughs> to, to surprise us, uh, old Cristiano. Okay, let's get to. Um, the final game, it is England versus France on Saturday evening. Uh, Nigel's got a pick on this one, as do you, Daniela. So Nigel's pick here, England-France under 2.5 goals, minus 1-2-4, despite all the attacking talent available to uh, to both sides. Kylian Mbappe, uh, much was made of the fact he wasn't involved in the open training session the other day with France. Uh, they've tried to play the French Football Federation to try to downplay that. Uh, top scorer in the competition so far with five goals, nine career goals before his 23rd birthday uh, in World Cup football. Um, so we've got Nigel's pick there, uh, Daniela, maybe expecting it to be tight and cagey for, for the 90 minutes. What way, are you, what way are you leaning? I go for the cards market again, and I go for England to pick up over 1.5 cards, so more than two cards of any colours. Minus 120 doesn't pay too well, but I think it could be it could be a good one. Bearing in mind that so far England had no bookings, no red yeah. cards in the World Cup, the cleanest team of the World Cup, and normally they don't pick up many yellow cards either. I looked at the last year at the Euro semi-final, only one yellow card in the final against Ireland, only one yellow card. Uh, but I think because uh, this is a let's say, a, a match against, against a, a higher opposition, tougher opposition, and they play with against players with a lot of pace, obviously, Mbappé overall, but also Dembélé on the other side, mm-hmm. and Griezmann who is in real form. There could be their opportunity for maybe some England player to get booked, and also it is a, it is a, it is a bet that can go either way. It does, it's not linked to the result, which is very, very difficult to predict. England goes 1-0, for example, they need to defend, probably uh, show Maguire, by the way, the price for them to be booked is like plus 2.65, plus 2.30 to get booked. Declan Rice plus 4.80 to pick up a yellow card. These are all uh, players acceptable for yellow card. But a couple of words on England, and I think what Nigel has highlighted as a as a cagey game could well be the case, but I would be interested to see which of the manager changes the formation first. Yeah. Who buckle first or who outsmarts who? Because if England starts with a back four against France formation that we've seen so far, I think England are set themselves for a very open game and perhaps to lose the game. The most logical solution for England would be to switch to a back three, have Kyle Walker on the right-hand side, help by Trippier so they can control, of course, uh, Mbappe on the side. And on the other side, having show bombing forward, exploiting the fact that Dembele is not going to track back a lot, and Teo Hernandez on the left-hand side is a little bit weak. And I think that the strongest spot, the strongest chance for England to win this game is to have Luke Shaw as high as possible at the pitch. By the way, he's been one of the players who created more attacking sequences for England. Five of his attacking sequences have ended in a goal. So having him try to be as much as at the pitch and, of course, do a quick transition, quick counter-attacks with, uh, of course, uh, Kane dropping deep a little bit in the occasion of the, of the first goal that was scored against Senegal. So that's, I think, is the chance for England to uh, outsmart or outplay uh, France, uh, getting rid of a midfielder and play with a 3-4-3 formation, whereas France will see. Because maybe 
that start playing with the same 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 lineups and maybe still Kamavinga no outside of the team and uh, Dembele. But one thing is for sure, England solidity, England strength is not conceding goals. Nine clean sheets in the last three tournaments, Southgate has transformed them into a tournament machine. Before England were conceding against Costa Rica and Iceland, and now they don't. So <laughs> there is a transformation there, of course, and this is the strength, but they need to also realize they are against one of the best players in the world, Mbappé, you know, so effective as well. France have been very cautious this, uh, uh, this tournament. Uh, they allowed a lot of progressive passes in their half. They sat back a lot because they know they got a player like Mbappé, alongside Griezmann, of course, they can turn the play quickly, but England probably needs somebody to double up there. So that's why I think Nigel idea is good. And possibly the yellow card as well, the cards, the cards market over 1.5 cards, minus 120. Who knows? Maybe even a red card. We only had two red cards so far in, in, in the World Cup, and one was for Abubakar to take off his shirt. So why not? Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot for this match. Um I haven't I, I, I watched England play against my country, obviously the United States. Um, but I went back and I looked at the head-to-heads historically here between England and France, uh, which to me is not going to have a whole lot of impact on this game because of what I found. Uh, these two nations have hardly played each other. I mean, you would think England and France being right next to each other that they that they would play each other all the time, but they really haven't. The last meaningful game that these that, that these two nations played was in the 1992 World Cup, which ended zero to zero. Uh, other than that, you've got some Euro group play here and there and some friendlies, but. You know, nothing really worth considering other than just noticing that they really don't play each other very often. So it should be an exciting one, and I'm looking forward to definitely tuning in, but I don't have anything worth sharing for this one. Okay, so England-France, the final game of the round of quarterfinals. Quick one to you, Daniela, because we're nearly out of time. Would England be compromising what's made them strong in this competition? And that is their wide forwards, that play, the liberation of Jude Bellingham to break forward. But that that feels like it'd be a major compromise in style to what would seem like merely contain one player in Kalina. Well, it could, but it's not it's not just one player though, because there is Griezmann. No, he's, he's got two legs. I know and two it, it arms is one, and one head. I know, but there is there is there is the entire. <laughs> there are also other players, and 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 I understand. I think England have been brilliant going forward and breaking the midfield lines, but also on the other hand, they have beaten teams without world-class players. We've beaten teams again with great players. And I think that 3-4-3 formation could still work for England and provide the threat adapting more to, to, to France's setup in a way. If France go with, Kamavi, with, with Griezmann, with Mbele, with Giroud and Mbappé, Yes, they're dangerous, but also they expose themselves to quick transition. And we've seen that England wingbacks can still hurt uh, France. Now, obviously, England takes the lead. They need to make sure that they manage the ball better than what they've done in the past. But everything suggests that Bellingham could be the person to do that. Okay, guys, we'll let uh, Daniela get that lovely dinosaur costume on behind him. Yes, uh, Halloween just gone. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but let's quickly share the uh, the picks from uh, from everyone, including uh, Nigel um, Cooper. Your your stand up picks, obvious. Daniela, quickly of your three, which is your favourite? For me, it's the with the cards in Croatia, Brazil. Okay, very good stuff. Okay, boys, thank you very much for your company, Cooper. Pleasure to work with you for the first time and get your insight, Daniela. Great to see you as always. Um, Susan. 
if you want more from the guys uh, at Sports Profit for Cooper on social media, find Daniela as well and all the experts at Because We Win on Twitter. All the prices available at the uh, Bet Riverswood Network. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Extra Time on the Bet Rivers Network.